morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumpser. Hi, Stacy. How are you? I think we're going to up-level the energy today. We are. We are. Hi, John. Our, our audience is going to be wondering what happened to us. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to not be able to stop laughing. <laughs> Well, so John's playing with new toys today. Yes, we're <laughs> testing out the new technology. Aren't we happy? Yes. Okay. So how are you, Stacy? I'm doing well, John. I'm doing well. It's it's a it's a bit of a, a cold day here in North Carolina still, um, but it's it's a it's a good day. So uh, still staying at home. You, on the other hand, are heading out to Japan, right? Well, yeah, I just got back from roughly your neighborhood. I was in Florida and South Carolina last week, and I am on my way to Kyoto on Friday. We're going to be in Japan for two weeks, meeting with the people at Recruit and getting to know Japan. Bring back all the stories and let us know how everything's going. And, and uh, I'm sure you will have um, some of the, the best, I would assume, sushi you've ever had, right? I, I think that's going to be the case. I apparently am going to a restaurant where they bring the birth certificate of the beef as part of the um, wow. <laughs> uh, part of the meal. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I am just just astonished by the things I've had to learn about cultural difference just in the process of getting ready to go into business there. I got Japanese business cards. Japanese. So so what is the difference between U.S. business cards and Japanese business cards? That's a good question. Japanese business cards are all in Japanese. Oh, I that. Sorry. <laughs> I thought well, maybe there was a different makeup to them or something the way you would explain no, it. No, no, but, yeah. but the exchange of business cards is an elaborate ritual a much of what what i'm learning is is that manners are really really important in japan and as a as a foreigner you get kind of a pass because it's a very complicated thing but one of the most significant exchanges is the business card exchange so there's a proper bowing angle and a proper way to hand it and a proper way to receive it and um, you, and and so so you get somebody's business card, and then you read it, and then you make a comment about the business card, and then you never ever ever put the business card in your pocket. Oh, really? Why? Well, yeah, do so all I'm trying to figure out what do you do with it, but yeah. but <laughs> maybe maybe you might, well, someone in our audience can can send you an email about what you do with the business card after you get it, right? <laughs> oh, actually, 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 I have an hour long course that I'm going to take late this evening. In the business card ritual. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, this is micro-learning. D- exactly. I was going to say, hour-long isn't quite micro-learning, but it's close to it, so we'll, we'll give it a pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so, so I'm excited um, um, about getting to do that. How about you? What's the, What do your holiday plans look like? My holiday plans are staying here in, in uh, North Carolina. I was, I was planning on going to Ohio, but uh, ended up with some other things going on and couldn't make the trip. So... Um, my son and I are going over to friends, um, and they are hosting us for Thanksgiving and we are going over, I believe to my son's girlfriend's house. So it's going to be a busy week. Other people are feeding me. I love that. So, <laughs> uh, I take that out. I bring over our door or d'oeuvres and wine and I'm good to go. So, um, I like those kind of events. And then, uh, um, lots of shopping probably on Friday. I still have to do the black Friday shopping thing. So it's part of a family oh. tradition. <laughs> It, it is now officially the holidays. It is, exactly. 
So what's in the mailbag? Well, it's, you know, surprisingly, it's already been a busy week. It feels like we were just talking not too long ago, and there's a lot of stuff going on. We had a couple of acquisitions happen. So SAP acquired Contexter, which is an augmented robotic process automation capability. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that is today, because I think it's, it's definitely worth diving into. There was another sort of RPA sort of play as well this week with HelloSign. Um, HelloSign um, is moving beyond just doing e-signatures. And for those who are in sort of the benefits and the onboarding space, e-signatures are such a big deal. Well, they've now um, added a document flow automation tool that they're calling Hello Works to their system. So that's worth probably paying attention to if you're in that space. Um, we're so- also seeing some funding con- definitely in the recruiting space. Recruitment software uh, maker Workable raised $50 million as well as the on-demand staffing staffing app I'm not going to say this right. Is this Wanalo or Wonalo? Do you, it's Wonalo, I think. Wonalo, yep. So they're 32 million, led by Bain Capital, which we see a lot in the HR tech space. Um, Shift, um, a smaller organization, but I think is well worth talking about because um, they're in the workforce management space, but but not exactly. Um, they raised 6.5 million to help retail and service workers swap shifts. Um, and then if we get time, um, we always tend to run out of time, but um, we didn't get a chance to talk last week about ZipRecruiter adding ex-Facebook, LinkedIn, and GoDaddy executives to their board. I'd love to get your perspective on, are, are adding people to your board something people should be watching for? What does that mean? Um, and then um, Salary.com came out with a report last week on workplace turnover rates, and I thought it was worth maybe mentioning what was going on there a little bit. Uh, as well as Mercer launching an HR tech incubator. So lots of stuff going on in the last couple of weeks that um, are worth the conversation. So where do you want to start, John? Oh, let's work from the bottom up. Mercer opened an HR tech incubator. That's 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 fascinating. You, you know, Mercer, Mercer is a lot of things. Innovative doesn't come to mind. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think... It depends on how you look at innovation. I mean, I'd say that uh, in their sort of process areas, they've done a lot of innovations, but the technology is the area, I think, where they have sort of struggled a bit to figure out what their footing is and and, and where they're going to position themselves. So, yeah, this this uh, HR Tech Incubator for for innovative organizations is something new. It's a global consulting group that's investing in the um, HR tech space. Um, they're looking for rapid developments in technology, and they're they're basically hoping to build out things that I think their clients can use as the goal. That's interesting, and and they've got. I noticed one of the one of the things that they're incubating is a blockchain um, platform for employee vetting. I, I went to a I went to a lecture last night. Once a month or so, I go into San Francisco to see somebody give a lecture, and and this particular thing was was a. A uh, historian named Neil Ferguson, who's talking about the fact that um, social networks and hierarchies have always been sort of at odds with each other. The peasants in the square and the people in the castle have always been sort of at odds with each other. And he's using that as a way of painting the difference between Silicon Valley and, um, and, and Washington, D.C., he said, and, and it was just the funniest thing, because this is, this is a crowd of very serious technology people. He said his prediction for this year is that by 2025, somebody will find a use case for blockchain that actually matters. <laughs> okay. And I think that's optimistic. Um, <laughs> 
I, 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 at this point in time, I think I have to agree with you. I know, I think last interview I did, I said it's, it's like five years out before blockchain. I mean, because what people are calling blockchain and what is blockchain is two different other things. And then on top of it, it, it means enough people have to be accessing that blockchain to make it of any use, right? <laughs> right, right. There's, there's critical mass and then there's um, can you do what you need to do and would you want to in the first place? But there were a lot of people invested in cryptocurrency in the audience who were moaning and groaning about the fact that cryptocurrency is never going to replace regular currency. Yes. Yeah, the cryptocurrency millionaires. I, I don't know if they still exist out there, but it's, <laughs> I, I'm, um, I've I got a- the feeling that there were a lot of used-to-be cryptocurrency millionaires <laughs> in the crowd. In the crowd, yeah. I mean, the incubator idea, I mean, they said they've got 200 applicants included in this incubator group. So the blockchain group is just one. They're called Vetti, but they're doing a lot of other things. Um, They've got um, organizations that are focused on learning, it looks like. It looks like they've got incubator companies that are doing um, lots of different focuses on AI. this is this is pretty big for Mercer. Is this, is, do you know much about you know incubator organizations? Are they usually that big of a of a class? Is is or is this uh, just maybe that they're giving advice to these organizations? What kind of a, uh, a incubator has over two hundred organizations at the start? Isn't that oh, I think those are probably applications to get into the class. It sounds like they have two companies in the class. So 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 there are a lot of small businesses. The machine learning and natural language processing are are executable by individuals. You know, the Azure, Microsoft Azure, is giving an account to anybody who will take one. And what you do with Microsoft Azure is you build natural language processing and machine learning applications. Um, um, and so, so there's lots of little companies trying to do stuff. Um, so that's that. It's interesting that they've been able to get in front of them, and Mercer certainly has data assets that would be very interesting, and they certainly have channel assets, access to customers that would be very interesting. Um, the question is, can they manage um, innovation in in the way that like Leanne Levenzeller is at Workday or? Um, the team at Cornerstone is right. This idea that that vendors have um, incubation capability—that's this is Johnny come lately to that. But Mercer's in a very interesting position, uh, and and they certainly could be an accelerator for the right companies. Yeah, and I think you're right. I did just read. I I misread the 200. It was two were selected from the 200 applicants, so that is much better. I was a little bit overwhelmed with the 200, um, but I agree. I mean, I, I think you know when kind of looking at what you know the Vetti company was saying as what they thought was most interesting about Mercer, and they had sounded like they'd been through other accelerator programs. Was not only were they you know impressed with the subject matter expertise that Mercer brought to the table, so sort of that HR background, but also their amazing set of customers who can offer insights. So it sounds like Mercer's bringing customers to the table in this conversation instead of just expertise from their business or expertise they'll find for them. So that might be a differentiator for Mercer. Yeah, well, and so the Silicon Valley model of research and development, which is a small company that does R&D while it has to build a client base, uh, 
it's not proven to work yet, but it certainly is catching on quickly. And um, it's a question of survival. And for, for a company like Mercer that that is a rock-solid player in certain aspects of the business but has found it difficult to expand out of those niches, this is an interesting way to approach getting out of your own way yeah. if they can do it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, another company is, is who, who does its own research as well now, it looks like, because that's one of the big things that Merce does is research and, and talk to their clients on a, on a pretty regular basis is salary.com. And they released a new report on workplace turnover. Now, I don't know that this is sort of groundbreaking news. I think anybody who knows that as sort of unemployment decreases, right, the number of people looking for jobs, that turnover increases because we see people having more opportunities. But they've basically tracked turnover, it looks like, for about, what, five years there, four years, five years there. And they're saying that it has increased on a pretty regular basis, and it's now up to 19.3%. And that seems to be a big number from from what they've tracked in the past. Um, just, you know, First of all, vendors doing research is is a is a thing that we're seeing more and more in the market. And secondly, you know, how do they decide what kind of research do they do? You know, is this research relevant to organizations? Are they going to be able to use this kind of research about just the fact that the turnovers is this helpful in making business um, yeah, spaces for recruiting? That, that, that's a bunch of complicated things. You, you know, <laughs> it's 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 useful, I think, to view salary.com as a direct competitor with Mercer. Right. And and so um, I don't think most people do because salary.com has a narrower focus. They only do the compensation part of Mercer's business, but but in the compensation part, they are competitors. Um, and so um, just as it suits Mercer um, to do surveys and publish the results of the surveys, and Mercer has always done that. Yeah. Um, um, you see companies like salary.com doing it. Now, now most of what I see in, you know, I, I get buried in vendor-generated surveys, and it's yeah. mostly bull. It's mostly, um, we did a survey, and guess what? The market thinks we're smart. <laughs> you know, or, or, here's our, here's our, our latest how awesome are we survey, and look. 82% of people think we're the most awesome thing they've ever heard of. And the other 18% just think we could use a slight bit of improvement. Well, uh, and then the better one is everybody needs to use a product that looks like ours, right? And that's what they tell us. <laughs> right, yes, exactly. And, and, and so, so, and that gets pretty nuanced. The, the degree to which, the degree to which vendor generated surveys are self-serving, um, is I I tend to think it's lost on the people who read them, right? Because because what vendor is going to publish a bit of data that says people think we're not very good and so you shouldn't buy us? Nobody, nobody's going to do that. But but the question of turnover um, is a real economic question, and it's not uh, you wouldn't buy or not buy salary dot com because they can tell you or not tell you about turnover. Right, because that's not what salary.com does. It's adjacent. The people who are salary.com's customers are interested in this. And much like ADP's um, surveys that are economic forecasts that are better than the Bureau of Labor Statistics economic forecasts, 
that's that's the kind of thing that I think salary.com is going for here. Now, I'm sort of surprised by the numbers. The the thing that I have always heard and 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 from time to time when I dig into the numbers and do the research is that the average uh, tenure of an American employee is three years. And so if the average tenure of an American employee is three years, then attrition should be about 33%. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so my question is, why isn't it 33%? Well, that's a, that would be an interesting question for them. I, I, I will have to say, I have not read deep into this research effort. It's just, you know, they're, they're showing different percentages by industries, obviously. Um, and there's always higher turnover rates in retail and hospitality than there is in other areas. Uh, and it also depends a little bit on how they're defining it. And I, and I, and that's, what I was kind of looking for in the, in the announcement, but I didn't see that. So I think this is one where we have to dig in a little bit more to get that answer. Yeah, but well, I, I will question. do that. I, I wonder, um, um, I was somewhere recently and we were talking about attrition and, um, the company reported a 96% retention rate. And so the question was, do they count involuntary um, turnover in their retention rate? Right? Because you could have a 6% retention rate if you didn't count the 25% the people that you left are. without. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It makes it a little bit easier to have a good retention. And so, and so I don't. Do you know? Do you know? Is um, involuntary attrition included in retention and attrition reporting? In your experience, in my experience, it is. Yes, it's it's the bigger part of it. <laughs> um, okay. But but it's it's depending on where you're at, right? And and what so for a retail industry, both voluntary and involuntary is tracked. They're tracked separately. You look at them, but they're 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 tracked as part of the whole, right? Um, but it is the in it is the voluntary that you're paying the most attention to because the involuntary is the assumption that you hired the wrong person. So I think that's a bigger commentary. Involuntary is usually used as a, a metric against recruiting, right? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, so end of salary.com. Let's go on to ZipRecruiter expanding its board. Yeah. So this one, I, you know, you, you, the Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, and, and, and whether or not having a board with big, the right names on it makes a difference or not, I, I wouldn't know. But I thought it was an interesting commentary that this was the big news coming out of ZipRecruiter. And we've, and ZipRecruiter's been at, invested in. They've got a lot of um, commercials going on. And so they, they've really been focusing a lot on the branding side of what they're doing, right? Um, not, I think, as much on sort of really making sure everybody sort of knows what they're doing, but just the brand and the, and the name and the title. Is that part of what putting these kind of uh, members on their board is about? Or, or does this really mean that they're planning on making a big move and, and, and going and doing something different? There's something going on here, and I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, adding people to the board is not something that you do because it's a good thing to do. You add people to the board to solve a problem. You add people to the board to expand um, different kinds of representation. You add people to the board to counterbalance some sort of investor problem. Uh, 
so, so there are some things here. One is um, there are two women going on to their board, right? And, and so maybe just as a diversity move, they're taking these extremely competent and ex extremely successful women and adding them to the board because, well, if you're in the, in the um, HR services space and you don't have women represented on your board, there's something wrong with you. Um, I would have to agree with that, but right. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I don't think you'll get an argument from me on that one. <laughs> well, well, anybody who wants to argue that needs to go back to their cave and yeah. <laughs> polish their club a little bit. Um, um, so, so that's that strikes me as probably the heart of this is the, is that is that they're adding very capable women to their board. But you know, when you when you add people to the board, you shift the power balance inside of the board, and that is not something that you do lightly. So I wonder if they were under some kind of pressure to do this. Well, and and with such big names and and such you know sort of well known entities in the in the tech space as well as sort of the San Francisco market space as well. So it, it's an interesting thing to watch these companies make these moves. I mean, one of the things that I've had a lot of conversations with um, buyers about is, you know, how important is the management decisions compared to the technical and, you know, sort of uh, roadmap decisions that are being made in the organization. And, and my answer is always, it's very important. But the question is, how do you read certain decisions that are being made? And I think, you know, things like board change is one of those questions that I'm not sure everybody knows how to read well, right? It's, 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 it's a sport that takes a little bit of getting used to. We're going to come up from air and take a little break in our, in our things, and you'll be able to tell because... <laughs> You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Looking for a new way to attract and engage top talent? Add student loan repayment to your benefits lineup. Benefit Ed makes it easy to offer this in-demand benefit any time of the year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. With programs to help pay down student loans or save for college, Benefit Ed help meets the education goal of employees at any life stage. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at ubenefit.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. I love that. I'm going to take your toys away, John. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you if you noticed a little frog in my voice today, it's the smoke from the campfire. It's about 150 miles away, but the air quality index um, in Northern California is worse than the air quality in Delhi, India, right now. Yeah, it's it's just heart wrenching. I mean, on on top of everything else that everybody's dealing with to deal with. You know, not being able to sort of, you know, and a lot of people are, are at this point in time, I think, in homeless situations because of it. So it's just just horrendous uh, environment to be living in right now. But what a shame. We are, are sending our thoughts out to everyone, but uh, I'm glad you are safe, even if a little bit hoarse from it with the, the conditions in the air. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So note, note to anybody listening, don't send stuff, send money. Okay, so shift 
raises money to help retail and service workers swap shifts. Yeah, this one is sort of, it just, it sort of took me a little bit by surprise because shift, this isn't a, a, a complete workforce management solution. So this is not like a scheduling tool, right? What this company has created is basically a social app where organizations can have their employees sort of chat with each other about sharing shifts, right? It's, it's nothing more than an individual communication app. And they've got some pretty large organizations using it right now, like Gap and some others. And I thought, boy, that's interesting to to have organizations sort of investing this kind of money in a separate tool for communications about shift changes when most of the new workforce management technologies are doing a lot of that or allowing you to have a lot of that. So my question is, is does this mean that we're going to see more of these niche players coming up with things to alleviate, you know, the need to get a brand new workforce management edu- application that does all of the cool things like shift management stuff? I don't know. This this one was just one where I was, I was surprised to see these niche players are still out there trying to to add value to the market and, and they're getting investment too. So, Well, I think that the, the story has to be that, that shifting out of your great big giant tool to add a little bit of functionality is a stupid idea. Yes. But if, <laughs> if you've got a workforce management software vendor, they're liable to be dragging their feet and maybe even their knuckles um, as they, um, uh, move down their roadmap. And so you could be waiting forever for something that, that um, uh, entry-level workers are demanding, which is the capacity to change shifts if they figure it out themselves. You know, why should you have to wait for the entire gap to make their kajillion dollar investment in whoever uh, to get this functionality when you can have it as a social app? Yeah. And, and it's pretty, you know, like sign up for it and then pretty soon you can get, you know, you can get it pretty quickly. You know, my only challenge on some of this is, is the visibility into it. Right. Um, and the data privacy issues. And so, so I get what you're saying. I just think that some of these organizations, you know, obviously have to be thinking a little bit about, um, does this put us at risk in other areas? Um, because we don't have the data and we don't have the visibility the way we should inside of our system. So something to think about, I think, for everyone who's looking at them. Um, So we also have a couple of recruiting solutions that got um, investments. Workable um, is sort of an applicant tracking system, and they raised $50 as well as the Wanalo, raising $32 both in the recruiting space. we're just continuing to see more and more investment in recruiting. Um, it's not sort of slowing down at all. Any in particular knowledge on these two organizations, John, that um, you think would people should be paying attention to? Well, I thought, you know, th- this will kill you, but I thought Wanalo was that uh, Magic Kingdom in the Black Panther movie. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's an app that helps combine temporary workers and contractors today. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's, and the idea here is that you can log in and within like four minutes, find your temporary workers instead of going through sort of like the week long process you might need with any attempt service. Um, that is what on is. <laughs> well, then it's a good thing. It's a good thing that they didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to 
we're gonna um obviously this has been a day for 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 john to to go back to his childhood a little bit (laughs) (laughs) childhood i just saw black panther this spring Yes, I, I, and I did as well, and I really loved it. You I think guess, that was my childhood? Jeez, Stacey. A little bit of enjoying it, you know. <laughs> jeez, jeez, jeez. I'm, I'm going to get out the uh, ballpark sound again, if you're not careful. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, so good for Wanalow. Um, workable raises $50 million. And then at the top, where we should finish out, SAP acquires Contextor. They're buying stuff over at SAP. Rapidly, right? It seems like every other day we're getting some some new insight into to what's going on and, and some and and the things they're buying are not um things I think that ever they're not directly related to every one of their applications, you know, individually. These are things that that can go across multiple levels of various applications, particularly in this area with robotic process automation. This is a this is a full, from what I can tell. I I went online and took a look at at Contextor. I didn't know them as well, but it seems like they're a full robotic process application software, along with the chatbot capabilities and the programming capabilities and, and the services that go around it. So this seems like a like a pretty big purchase for SAP, though they didn't give any financials as far as we could tell on this one. Well, you know, you know the the emergence of robotic process automation in HR is slower than you might guess because HR is so rich in the kinds of applications where RPA makes sense. If you're taking data from two or three different databases and putting them in a single spreadsheet to do a report, that's an RPA process. Uh, right, and if you make decisions based on that report that are contingent on the numbers hitting thresholds, that's an RPA process. Um, and so, so it's heartening to think that somebody who sort of serves generically this industry is coming at it with deep RPA capabilities. But I imagine HR will be the short end of the stick at SAP, like it is lots of places uh, for getting this sort of capability in. Well, this you know, mirrored with the Qualtrics purchase just a week ago. I think that, that to your point, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a challenge going into a big company when you're a smaller organization. But both of these are really on the cutting edge of what's happening in the market from a data perspective, yes, they are. yeah, and a, and a tracking perspective. Now, whether or not these particular companies, maybe or not, I don't know. I don't know Contexters more. I didn't know Qualtrics very well. I think they were, but you know. If SAP buys them and they go there to die, I will be very sad. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this is a real opportunity for SAP to step ahead, I think, and, and I hope that's what they do with it. I, I agree. And the question is, can do they know something about how to scale the solution inside of SAP that Contexture didn't know outside of SAP? And so we'll see. We'll see. But but there are there are signs of life at SAP, and, and I will tell you, I hadn't seen any for quite some time. Yeah. Well, these are these are good signs, and I'm hoping they 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 leverage them appropriately. But you know, a lot of the integration here seems like it's connected to the SAP's S4 HANA. So there is, it looks like, um, some uh, conversation that we'll probably be hearing when we go to get some updates on how this connects with their databases. But it also should be connecting with all of their functional applications as well. So hopefully, that's the direction they're heading with it. Well, we only missed a couple of things on the list this week. What a great conversation! Always good, John. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so I only have one thing to say. All right. I'm going to take the... T- 
<laughs> Next week, no oh, more toys. I want to make sure I got that right. There we go. There Way we too go. much fun with this. I, I think you're definitely in the holiday mood already, John. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've got I've got a hat that looks exactly like a lampshade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready for New Year's now. Yep. Um, all right. So thanks for doing this, Stacey. As, as usual, this was a fun conversation, and I think we covered some interesting ground here. Appreciate you taking the time to do it. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumpser. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. And thanks in particular to Benefit Ed, Y-O-U-Benefit-E-D dot com slash HRX. Check them out. Bye-bye now.